Hello, and welcome to the Seed to Sow podcast. We are so happy you have joined us today, and my prayer is that you will be blessed by today's word. Not a fly remained. Exodus chapter 8, verses 20 through 32. Then the Lord said to Moses, Get up early in the morning and confront Pharaoh as he goes to the water and say to him, This is what the Lord says. Let my people go so that they may worship me. If you do not let my people go, I will send swarms of flies on you and your officials, on your people and into your houses. The houses of the Egyptians will be full of flies and even the ground where they are. But on that day, I will deal differently with the land of Goshen, where my people live. No swarms of flies will be there so that you will know that I, the Lord, am in this land. I will make a distinction between my people and your people. This miraculous sign will occur tomorrow. And the Lord did this. Dense swarms of flies poured into Pharaoh's palace and into the houses of his officials. And throughout Egypt, the land was ruined by the flies. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Go sacrifice to your God here in the land. But Moses said, That would not be right. The sacrifices we offer the Lord our God would be detestable to the Egyptians. And if we offer sacrifices that are detestable in their eyes, will they not stone us? We must take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God as he commands us. Pharaoh said, I will let you go to offer sacrifices to the Lord your God in the desert. But you must not go very far. Now pray for me. Moses answered, As soon as I leave you, I will pray to the Lord, and tomorrow the flies will leave Pharaoh and his officials and his people. Only be sure that Pharaoh does not act deceitfully again by not letting the people go to offer sacrifices to the Lord. Then Moses left Pharaoh and prayed to the Lord. And the Lord did what Moses asked. The flies left Pharaoh and his officials and his people. Not a fly remained. But this time also, Pharaoh hardened his heart and would not let the people go. The entire book of Exodus is about God hearing Israel's cries for help, rescuing them, from their oppressors, and making them his own. Toward the beginning of the book, the cries of Israel rise up to God, who hears them and remembers his promises to Abraham. In Exodus 3, God speaks to Moses about his concern for the Israelites. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out, because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them. 
This is God's word to us today and every day. God says, I have seen, I have heard, and I am concerned. I am coming to rescue you. In this book of Exodus, we read about how God sent 10 devastating plagues on the Egyptians. The plagues had three purposes. First, to demonstrate to the Egyptians that he was the one and only true God. Second, to break down the rocky places, the hardness of Pharaoh's heart, so that he would willingly not just let them go, but to expel them. And third, to draw the Israelites into a relationship that would cause them to trust in his power to deliver and sustain them in the days ahead. Each plague had a purpose, and each one moved the Israelites a little closer to freedom from slavery, not just physical freedom, but spiritual freedom. God was demonstrating to the Israelites just how much he was willing to do, just how far he would go to move them out of slavery and into a special relationship with him. You see, there would be many challenges and difficulties to overcome after they were delivered from slavery. More than ever, they would need to trust God. More important than what was happening to them physically was what needed to happen to them spiritually. This passage of scripture concerns the fourth plague. The previous three plagues had certain effects too. The water of the Nile was turned to blood. There were frogs everywhere in the second plague. And lice or gnats descended on the Egyptians like dust and were everywhere in the third plague. But something special happened in the fourth plague. And I want you to know that this fourth plague has much to teach us about what we can expect from God in the midst of our deliverance. In this passage of scripture, beginning with Exodus 8, chapter 20, God speaks to Moses, telling him to rise early to meet Pharaoh as he goes to the water. God told Moses exactly what to say. This is what the Lord says. Let my people go so that they may worship me. God gives Pharaoh a warning. If you do not let my people go, I will send swarms of flies on you and your officials and on your people and into your houses. Now, all flies are annoying, but these were not ordinary house flies. This kind of fly had the ability to sting a person. Many of you have heard me say before that my favorite place in the world is at the beach. A few years ago, my husband, who loves to fish, decided he could kill two birds with one beach trip, and we drove to a less developed section of beach near Rehoboth, Delaware. As we approached the beach, we could see the sun glistening on the beautiful water, the long expanse of sand with hardly anyone in sight. We envisioned a quiet afternoon enjoying lunch and the ocean breeze 
but we had hardly gotten out of the car when we began to feel these stings one after another. The stings were from large flies. Little did we know that not far away were some chicken farms. And the summer is prime time for flies that hang around chickens and bite people like us. Needless to say, that beach excursion was very short indeed. I will never forget the stinging sensation of the bites of those flies. But the flies in our text were even more threatening this kind of fly also had the ability to attach itself to a person's skin and to lay eggs that would destroy vegetation. It was said that this type of fly would attach itself even to a person's eyelids and could cause blindness. Not only did the flies upset the homes and environment of the Egyptians, but they also affected the physical health of the people. Can you imagine hearing the constant hum of flies around your head and in your ears? Can you imagine walking and hearing the crunch of flies under your feet? But God was doing something very special for the Israelites during this time. He was preparing them for the most important thing that would happen to them after their deliverance from slavery. More than ever, the Israelites needed to know who God was and to have a firm determination to serve God and to worship him as the one and only true living God. So while the plagues were designed to demonstrate God's power to the Egyptians, they were doing something different in the lives of the Israelites. Each plague moved them a little closer to freedom and closer to knowing and trusting God. This short passage of scripture has some very important lessons and reminders for us. First, it reminds us and demonstrates once again the blessing of rising early to hear instruction from God. God shows up in a special way for those who rise early to meet him. In Genesis 19, we are told Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. And in Genesis 22, Abraham rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. He got up early. Giants of our faith, Jacob, Joshua, Gideon, David, all rose early at God's command. Jesus himself rose early in the morning while it was still dark and went to a deserted place to pray. Luke chapter 6 tells us that when Jesus wanted to call the apostles, he called them to himself early in the morning. Second, in times of crisis, God will show a distinction between those of us who belong to him and those who do not. Verse 22 tells us that God said, But on that day I will deal differently with the land of Goshen where my people live. No swarms of flies will be there, 
so that you will know that I, the Lord, am in this land. I will make a distinction between my people and your people. In the midst of this plague, God's people experienced miraculous protection. God was working on behalf of the Israelites with precise intention and surgical precision. God responds to our needs in a special way. We ask for what we perceive we need, but God responds precisely and with great intention with what he knows we really need. God's provision always exceeds and overwhelms what we think or imagine. Just as he erected an invisible wall to keep the flies out of the land of Goshen, God responds to our needs for protection and provision with laser-like focus, knowing and providing exactly what we need. Not a moment too soon, not a moment too late. The third thing this story teaches us is that we are shown the importance of precisely following God's commands and his instructions. Moses was unwilling to compromise on what God had told him to do. God's command was clear that they were to go apart. Pharaoh wanted them to worship there in Egypt or in a place not too far away, but Moses refused. He said in verse 27, we must take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God as he commands us. Still, Moses had compassion for what the Egyptians were suffering. And he asked God at Pharaoh's request to remove the flies. But he warned Pharaoh not to harden his heart as he had done before. The fourth thing the scripture teaches us is that God can and will defy even the laws of nature to come to the rescue of those who belong to him. Everything in nature must bow to his command. All things serve him, even the flies. Matthew 8 tells us the wind and the waves obey him. Everything in nature is at God's disposal. Everything must bow to his will and his way. The flies could not enter the land of Goshen. And when the time came, the flies all went away. Finally, this scripture tells us that God will complete what he starts. The flies could not remain because they had accomplished what God sent them to do. When their work was done, every single fly was removed. Their work was finished. Not a single fly remained. God is attentive to every detail of our deliverance. 
our God is a God of completion. It ain't over until it's over. But when God says it's over, it's over. If you are waiting for God to move in an area of your life, just know that God has not stepped back. In our time of need, he steps up. He steps forward to bring completion to our development and our deliverance. Philippians 1 verse 6 tells us, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Don't stop trusting. Don't stop believing. God will complete what he has started. Don't stop seeking him. Our God is not a half-stepping God. He completes what he starts. Keep trusting. Keep claiming God's promises. Keep worshiping him. You will look up one day and realize not a single fly remains. Amen. Join us again next week for the Seed to Sow podcast with Reverend Lisa Weathers Hall. You can also reach us by email at seed to sow ministry at gmail.com. S E E D T O S O W ministry at gmail.com. God bless you.